You're now listening to Real Talk with Ryan David. Hi, how are you? Hello. Hello. What's up with the vanilla face? How you doing? What's happening? Welcome to episode three of Real Talk with Ryan David. Today's episode, I just want to share with you a little bit about my last weekend. I took a trip out to Vegas for a seminar, and on the way out to to Vegas, I stopped at my best friend's place in Houston. He and his wife, they have an amazing family and a beautiful home there. Um, Just a great place to, uh, to, to, to be. And so I stopped over and spent the day, about a day and a half with, with them. And uh, it was just, it was honestly, um, it was two of the best days on any vacation I've had in such a long time. And it was probably because I spent it with somebody who I've known for such a long time and knows so much about me. And, you know, anytime you spend time with, with close family or close, close friends like that, that you haven't seen in a while, or that you're really just close to, it really doesn't matter what you do. So I want to just tell you a little bit about my trip and two things that kind of I realized or that I learned I want to share with you because it's not just about me or story time. Uh, There's some implications in what my experiences were to something a little bit bigger. Um, So first, I'll tell you a little bit about kind of my experience in Houston and some things that came over that came to me while I was in Houston. And then I'll tell you a little bit about the seminar and kind of what I got from the seminar. Not so much the content itself, but just the experience I'll share with you. Something I kind of realized out there. Uh, But first and foremost, I went to Houston. I spent some time out there and a little bit about my buddy. Uh, He has an amazing wife, tremendous family there, Uh, a young boy, young girl, uh, like I said, a great house. They got a pool in the back. And so I just had a really, really good time out there. Not so much because of what I did necessarily, but because the time was just quality time. And uh, I got to catch up with him, spend some time with him. He's known me for a long time, since 97 and in spending time with him now uh, as, you know, an adult, uh, I knew him from we a college roommate and a fraternity brother. So we've known each other for a good long time. But now we're grown. We're adults. Now, he has a family. He has the wife. He has the kids. I don't. I'm not married. I don't have any children. But I've been working with children for quite some time now, um, 11 years in the school system and seven years particularly at an elementary school, K through five. So although I don't have kids, I have quite a bit of experience working with children on a day-to-day basis. Now, I've never really lived with or cared for kids overnight 24-7 like adult, like parents must do. So as an adult, I don't have the parenting necessarily that, you know, you experience that you would have in spending time with kids 24-7. That being said, I have some of the basic skills and understanding of what it takes to interact with them. But this trip to Houston and this 24-hour trip or this time that I spent with with him and his family there uh, was really um, it was a great experience because I got to really be around some be around the kids um, on a regular basis, not just um, from going from here to there necessarily or for a couple hours at the house, but literally from when we woke up in the morning to when we went to sleep to then when we woke up again. And I just realized a few things, and it kind of hit me for the most part when. The last day I was leaving, I flew out at night, and during the morning, during the afternoon, uh, Chad and I decided to just kick it, hit you know, hit the pool, relax a little bit in the pool. But we had the kids. Well, actually, at that time, we just had his son, five-year-old boy. Now, anybody out there that spent t- spend time around a five-year-old boy, 
uh, you know that it's all about him um, or any five-year-old in particular. And it should be. And I was in the pool, and this is where it hit me, okay? We always hear about people talking about how kids are are difficult. It's tough to be a parent. Parenting is hard. Kids are a handful. They're hard work. Yada, yada, yada. And it goes on and on and on about how difficult it is to raise kids and to be a parent. Well, guess what? It's supposed to be. Absolutely, it's difficult. If it was easy to bring another life into this world and raise it, you know, appropriately and developmentally sound, then it wouldn't be called parenting. But I think this is what I kind of realized. I think that one of the reasons why parenting is so difficult for so many people is because they try to be a parent and still yet have it be about them. The thing about it is this. I'm 36. I haven't had any kids yet. One of the main reasons why is because I know, at least for myself, when I have a kid, I'm going to be absolutely committed to that child and that child's life. It's a commitment. And I, and I think a lot of people don't understand that. They think they can just have a kid and then still go focus on themselves whenever they want, however they want. That's not the case. When you have a child and you bring a child into this world, your commitments better shift. Your focus better shift. Your priorities better shift right then and there for a long time, meaning until they're out the house. So, of course, kids are difficult if you're not focused on raising the kid. And where's all this coming from? Well, what happened was this. I wanted to spend time with my buddy. We were in the pool. Hudson's shooting the basketball. He's happy and excited. I'm making a big deal when he makes it inside the little hoop that we made for him. And it's all about him. We're having a good time. We're joking. We're laughing. But the kid's a central, you know, he's the center of attention, which he should be. And he feels like it and he knows that he is. But every once in a while, I'm trying to have a conversation or maybe get a word in edgewise to my buddy. So I'm trying to have a conversation maybe with, with my buddy and or I'm trying to, you know, tell a story or something. And I, I might get two or three sentences in. And Hudson comes back with something else to say, something else that he wants or some story that he wants to tell or whatever the case is. And at that point in time, I realized it'd be real easy to turn to him and say, Daddy and I are talking. Go play. Go over there. Leave us alone. Don't interrupt us. And I realized that I think that's what a lot of people do. That's what a lot of parents do. But the fact of the matter is that time for that child is essential. The time where he's on stage, where he's doing something developmentally, he's shooting a basketball, he's achieving a goal, he's accomplishing something, he's making it in the water, he's getting up the courage to jump in and get the ball. All those things might seem trivial to us. They might seem small and petty and they're not a big deal, but that kid's five years old. He's not been here long. He hasn't done much at all. So these things are the first. They're new to him. They're a big deal. And he needs somebody to make a big deal of them for him when he's on stage. So when you're out in that pool and it's pool time, unless there's a prior understanding that it's pool time for mom and dad or the family and you're going to do X, Y, and Z while we're out there. No, if he's included and he's a part of the situation, which he was, we were watching him. We were responsible for him. He was with us. Um, His daughter was somewhere else, uh, I think maybe at school. And so it was the three of us and he was there. And I wanted to tell a story. I wanted to talk. I wanted to to, to converse with, with, with him, with my buddy, but we had to take care of him. And so I think that too often we kind of just brush off the kids. We kind of tell the kids to go off somewhere or we get frustrated because we can't do what we want to do as adults um, or big kids. Sometimes we want to do what we want to do. and We're interrupted by the kids or we're burdened by the kids. That kid didn't ask to come into this world. That kid didn't ask to be around. You brought the kid around. 
So don't be burdened by, you know, the, the, the child that you produced and brought into the world. And I think a lot of the times parenting is so difficult because we look at the responsibility of a child that we have as a burden. But that's on you. And I think your mindset is going to play a large role in that process as far as how you view what you're doing. Everything that you're doing with that child should be a learning opportunity. It should be a learning, a growth experience for that child. It becomes about the child. It's not about you. If you want to sit back, relax, spend time in the pool, have a beer with your friend or with some other friends or with family or whatever it is and not be interrupted, you need to schedule that. You need to prioritize that. You know, it's, it's not about you anymore except for in the role of a parent. And so... I, I know that some of you might be thinking, well, it's easier for you to say you're not a parent. And I don't claim to be a parent. But in that situation, I was literally literally in the role of a parent. And it hit me and it made me realize I can do a couple of different things here. Now, also what I, what I kind of took from that and what I understood and what I kind of realized was in order to be able to do things like that, spend time with friends, spend time with, spend time with other adults and not be interrupted, you absolutely need to schedule it. That being said, I kind of translated that over into or transferred that over to relationships. And I thought about, man, it's tough being a family man, you know, to be a family woman, to be family oriented, to be to be present. I think I I noticed also, I think what, what happens oftentimes with families and with people is they get caught up in the pattern of being just a mom or just a dad with the kids and with the family. And they get so good at that pattern, maybe taking care of them, focusing on the kids and prioritizing everything around the kids that also the flip side of that is they forget to prioritize me time. They forget to prioritize couple time. And kind of one of the things that I left, you know, my buddy with and his wife, which they're, they're doing great. But I said, Hey, you guys don't forget, don't, don't forget that you need to schedule some, some time together. And so my word to couples is take a look at your everyday interaction. Take a look, take a step back. Or I should say, don't forget to schedule time together. And it might, it's, it, it might seem, you might not even think of it as a big deal, but it's a big deal. I, I was in that house and, you know, kids are a part of the home, they're part of the family. But you need time alone. You need a break. You need a breather. And I don't just mean when they're in the bath. I'm talking about literally when maybe a babysitter, the in-laws, family members, or a friend, you know, watches them at their house, and, and you're alone. You and your partner are alone, and you can breathe, and you don't have to worry so much about what's going on right then and there. You can hit the pool with your partner, or you can, you know, relax on the couch and watch a TV show and not have to worry about the kids upstairs, how they're doing, what, doing what they need. You don't have to be entertaining them. You don't have to be worried about them for so much, even if it's for three hours. I'm not talking about a weekend getaway. Just three hours. Take that time together because if you don't schedule that, you're not going to get it. And you're going to raise kids for 15 years, 18 years. And after 18 years, you're going to look at each other and you're not going to know each other except for in the form of mom and dad. And the relationship's going to be completely different. Things are going to have faded or washed away because you didn't schedule the time to do and be what you were before the kids came around. Obviously, take on the parent role, but do not forget to be a lover. Do not forget to be a companion. Do not forget to be a partner as well. And you have to schedule that because you can't just assume you're going to get it or try to squeeze it in when the kids aren't around, you know, they're upstairs or, or they're outside playing or whatever it is. No, those times are good. They're great. But you know where your mind is still in the kids. You, you know how that works. So it just hit me like a, a ton of bricks how difficult it is, but why it's difficult sometimes and how sometimes I think we may make it more difficult as adults and as parents. So check your priorities, check your responsibilities, understand your role as a parent, 
understand the attention that kids need developmentally. They need to learn. They need that time on stage and whatnot. But then also schedule the time to spend with your partner and schedule time alone and away from the kids when they're, when they're cared for so you can keep that bond strong and you don't just you know, fall into the role of mom, dad, and that's it. Because you're going to be together, hopefully, a lot longer than the kids are going to be around, or at least in the house, if that makes any sense. So that, that realization hit me hit me pretty hard, and it was just an amazing time with the kids. And, and I don't have kids. I want to be a parent. I want to be a dad soon, actually. And just being around Shorty, you know, learning and jumping and playing and growing and asking questions and interrupting, and I just realized that's what it's about. And so if you're going to be a parent you're not a parent yet, understand that's a commitment that you need to make and be ready to make. And if you're not, spend some more time on yourself because, really, it's going to be a lot more difficult for you to be a parent if you still want to be an individual Um, on your own when you have kids to care for and at the same time for you parents who are pushing your kids away or if you're going to be that parent that tells the kid to go play go somewhere else that little trend that you start at five and six where you tell them leave us alone mommy and daddy are talking go somewhere else go somewhere else and play that little trend that you start at five and six guess what when they're 15 and 16 they're going to have that 10-year trend that has now become kind of the norm. And that go play, go somewhere else, leave us alone is going to be go find a guy that will give me attention, end up pregnant as a teenager. Go find a gang that's going to give me attention that I can affiliate with that actually going to pay me some mind and I'll affiliate with them at 15, 16. So that's worst case scenario. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but those are the facts. We've all been teenagers and we know how it is. And I got news for you. It starts early. You start pushing your kid away and not giving them the attention and having that connection, that bond you know, with your child early on, that trend can continues and they start looking for it elsewhere and over time it kind of works against you so just keep those things in mind that's my little word of advice if if I can drop a little nugget on you from my experience spending time with my family and I know you know I know Chad and Laura are listening um, best friends of mine and and I I really do appreciate so much the hospitality they gave me I appreciate their support and and uh, and I love them so much they're just great people um, have an amazing family. So just uh, thank you again for the opportunity to to have that experience and to spend time with you guys. It was great. Um, and I wish them all, obviously all the best out there with what they're doing and what's going on with them. And it was a great learning experience for me, somebody who's not a parent, not married, and kind of doesn't know what it's like to live that life on an everyday basis. But uh, I still got a glimpse of it. And those are some of the things that I took from my time out there, spending time with his family. So that was great. And then I left Houston. And I went out to Vegas and I went to the seminar on Saturday and not to get into what the content of the seminar was about. And it was about social entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. It was about you know, social media and business marketing and a lot of strategies to have to do with how to take your stuff to the next level business wise. But without saying any names, the biggest realization that I got and what hit me the most, there's a lot of content that was great, but the guy who put this seminar together he, uh, he was very passionate about what he did, very knowledgeable. He was a big fan of Tony Robbins, so he was consistently quoting Tony Robbins, which I was interested in, and he was telling stories about Tony Robbins. But this guy was also very overweight. And although he had his stuff together, he seemed passionate, he knew what he was doing, and he talked a lot about what, some things that were interested to me and some things that were very relevant, and he brought on a lot of guests. And he was kind of the glue that put this whole event together with these other prominent speakers but he was overweight. Now, why does that matter? It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter at all. But what I want to talk about right now is psychologically why it matters and how it was relevant to me. You see, I was there in the audience and I was an, an audience member of, of someone who was speaking to me in a way that was kind of trying to influence me, motivate me, inspire me, that sort of thing. 
And I just felt a certain block with everything that he was saying, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know why it was hard to take him seriously, why it was hard for me to listen to what he was saying. And then I, it kind of hit me, and I, I started to think about the difference between him and Tony Robbins, who I've seen in person as well. And it was night and day. And it's night and day because there's nobody, there's no equivalent to Tony in terms of his energy, his experience, his knowledge. There's just nobody out there that brings it like Tony does. So I wasn't comparing them apples to apples, but I was comparing the overall experience in terms of this speaker, how they were, how I was receiving their energy and what they had to say, and also some other speakers, including Tony. And I realized that it wasn't necessarily the looks aesthetically, the fact that he was overweight that got to me in some way, shape, or form. So it wasn't that. What it was was the fact that he was overweight was a reflection on some level of how significant and how important his health was to him. Now, the reason why that works that way and the psychology behind that is that looks matter psychologically. And looks matter. And I'm not talking about our own looks to us. You know, I'm not talking about why we care about our own looks. No, I'm talking about how we perceive others and how we see others. And the bottom line when it comes to looks is it's evolutionary. There is a psychology and something that's going on subconsciously in your mind when it comes to the looks or the appearance of other individuals. Why is that? Well, we're superficial in a sense because evolutionarily, we have a mechanism built in subconsciously for us to recognize, quote, good looks or someone who is attractive because on some level, attractive equals healthy. And what we want is we want healthy partners to mate with so that we have healthy offspring. So evolution, we kind of have this built-in mechanism for us to recognize or be drawn to and attracted to you know, good looks. And now good looks are obviously very, very subjective. Somebody's certain, some, one face might not be appealing to me and it is to someone else. So we're not talking so much about the, the particular taste as much as we are universally what is recognized as healthy. So good skin, bad skin, I think we can agree on what that is. Being overweight, you know, being underweight and being an average, you know, being a, having a muscular build. We, we kind of know what these things are. And on a subconscious level, our brains are in tune to pick up on these things, not even on a conscious level. We don't realize it, but that's why we're drawn to and we're attracted to attractive, quote, people. Because the reason why is because our brains are seeking attractive people because on some level we equate attractive with healthy. And we want to pass on our genes and we want to, to, to with someone who obviously is healthy as well. So with all that going on, 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 the, on behind the scenes, I realized that subconsciously, because looks equal good health, I was having a hard time listening to this guy be inspired and motivated and be passionate about what he was doing because I thought, man, if he really cares so much about his message and he really is pa- as passionate as he sounds and seems to be with everything he's trying to really impress upon everybody else, why doesn't he take his own health seriously? You know, why doesn't he take his own, you know, his own well-being and his wellness a little bit more seriously to take care of himself. And, and I don't mean to be in, in, in shape to attract people in terms of what he looks like, but I mean so that, you know, he feels better, has more energy and, and, and kind of obviously is in better health when, in terms of his weight. And it just kind of was, it just, it just hit me. And I realized the, re, the relevance and the significance of, you know, our aesthetics and how we carry ourselves and the role that it plays. And which that brought me to obviously thinking about myself and, I thought for a long time, you know, I, I never really understood or looked at or considered the relationship 
between good health and good looks. One, maybe because I didn't know the psychology behind it, but two, because I just always looked at good looks meant attractiveness to attract somebody else, to attract somebody who else is attractive. And I just, I looked at it like that. But as I got older and I understood healthy eating and I understood taking care of your body, I understood that good health actually leads to good looks. And, and, and it's good looks are a byproduct of taking care of your body in terms of what you put into it and what you do with it. You know, most people, they want to look better first. And they don't realize that if they just took better care of themselves first, you know, the looks would come. The looks would be a, b- a byproduct of what you're doing with your body and how you're taking care of yourself. And so for me, you know, my first and you know, foremost, my, pri- my if you know me, you know, I'm a conscious eater. I look at and I pay attention to what I'm putting in my body and I try to exercise on a regular basis and stay in shape and, and be as fit as I can. And obviously, we all have different genes. And obviously, you know, there's nothing that you can go out there and eat or, you know, no exercises you can do to have a face like mine. I'm just talking about health. So for me, I pay attention to what I eat and I'm conscious of it. And I I try to take care of my body. And at the same, that puts me in a position to then have the, the, the looks as well. So if I take care of my body and watch what I put into it, my skin is going to benefit. Um, you know, my weight is going to benefit. My health internally is going to benefit. So then I'm going to also have energy too, but I'm going to look physically fit and I'm going to be also healthy enough to put myself in a position to then maybe work harder in the gym to train my body to then work on my aesthetics. But they go hand in hand. And so I was kind of thrown off by this this speaker and I didn't really know what it was. And I, I guess it just can't kind of brought me back to emphasize to you, if you're in a place of influence, whether you're a manager or even a parent, you know, and you want to influence other people, you got to look at first, you know, the most effective way to lead is to lead yourself first. You know, the, the most effective way to lead is to lead by example. And so you got to look at what you're doing and whether your actions are speaking as loud as your words or louder than your words. And so for this guy, I just thought, man, he would really put himself over the top if he could embody this, you know, physical fitness level or this, this, I don't know. It just was something I thought about this guy and I thought he could really put himself over the top if he took better care of himself. And he appeared to at least come across and his body sent messages of, you know, he cared about how he looks. So I, 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 that's just one of, one of the things that really resonated with me mostly on my trip out there. And so I guess my message was going to be, or, or my conversation was going to be, it's not about looks just for superficial aesthetic, you know, materialistic kind of reasons. Um, but your look should, you know, most of the time, you, 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 the way you look physically will be a reflection of what you're doing with your body and how you're taking care of your body internally if, and paying attention to what you're doing with it. And And I think that there's no bigger you know, sign of self-respect than what you do with your body and how you take care of your body. And so I guess it's those conflicting messages where you want me to listen to what you have to say as though it's important, but yet how much do you respect yourself and think about yourself and and take care of yourself in the first place? And I had all that stuff going on. So like I say, my message, I just wanted to kind of impress upon you the relevance and the importance of taking care of your body, taking care of yourself, not only for your health, but also because you know, unfortunately or fortunately, people are going to, you know, perceive you in certain ways. And I just gave you the psychology behind why someone may look at you and check you out and see you physically on a subconscious level and maybe not take you so seriously or be drawn to or attracted to what you have to say. Now, at the same time, I want to clarify and point out that what I'm, I'm not saying that you need to be physically attractive or a supermodel or have these gorgeous good looks to be influential. 
Because there's also something inherently sexy and attractive about the effort to maintain your health or the effort to maintain your physical appearance as well. So you might not necessarily be able to achieve the exact same aesthetics or physical stature or physical look or, you know, all that stuff that somebody else considers that we consider to be attractive. You know, the upper echelon. You don't need to be concerned about the end outcome necessarily as much as the fact that are you putting in effort or not? Because regardless of what you'll look like when you do put in effort, the effort in and of itself is also attractive and, and, and sexy because we know what each other's potential is as individuals. So when we see somebody letting themselves go, it's not so much only about what they look like as much as it is the fact that they don't care about what they look like. When you have somebody who may be a little heavy, but is consistently doing what they can, watching what they eat, exercising a tad bit, taking care of themselves, they become more attractive and they become more sexy, if you will, on some level than somebody who doesn't put any effort at all. So there's something inherently sexy about effort as well. So keep that in mind. It's not so much about the outcome or the end result as much as it is also the effort behind it too. So I think that your physical health and your physical body can be just another tool for you to influence and show people how serious you are about yourself and thereby, you know, how serious you are, therefore how serious you are about whatever your message is and whatever your passion is. So it's just food for thought, something to consider, something to think about. But I thought it was relevant and worth worth noting with this public speaker um, as far as, you know, your, his actions and his, his physical health speaking uh, volumes as well as, as his body, as his words and them kind of contradicting themselves. So just two, two snippets, two tidbits, two talking points from my, my, my weekend, my experience there. One of them has to do with kids and family and why it's difficult sometimes, but also what we need to do consciously to make it a little bit easier on us and a little bit better for the kids. And then also how important your physical body is and also what, how perception can be overwhelming when it comes to how you influence others. And taking care of your body and taking care of your physical health will result in better looks, which we all want in the first place. But we have to look at it kind of backwards a little bit instead of going and looking for how can I look better. Just start asking yourself, how can you take better care of your body? And if you really go all in on that one, the, the good looks will be a byproduct. So that's it. Wanted to share those few things with you. Uh, the good news, I'm up on iTunes. It's there. You can subscribe if you have an iPhone or if you have an iTunes account. You can subscribe to my podcast for future podcasts and you can just look for search my name ryan david in the search and you'll see it pops up real talk with ryan david any comments or feedback that you have about this episode feel free to hit me up send them to the email podcast at the ryan make sure you subscribe obviously check me out on social media all my handles are at the ryan david i also have a youtube page gonna put, be putting more content up on that one and obviously my website you can hit that up and check out my blog content anytime stay tuned for the next episode i'll talk to you soon until then Take care. Peace. You see, we're putting the cover sheets on all TPS reports now before they go out. Bye, Felicia. Yo, Barry, you did it. Hey! Don't you ever say that again.